It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Pardon me. I had to cough there for a second. Um, Larry Vaught normally joins us on Tuesdays, but I think was traveling yesterday, so he'll join us today. Uh, Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws. And Kevin Grevy is going to join us. And Kevin was a teammate of Wes Unseld's on the uh, Washington team that won the NBA title in 1978. And so we will talk with Kevin about his teammate who uh, sadly passed yesterday. Um, So that's what's on the agenda for our show today. Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. UK Athletics released a statement yesterday talking about uh, their athletes fighting back against racism and, and bigotry and finished by saying, quote, we call on the Big Blue Nation to join us, listen, hear, empathize, act, support our black student athletes just as you do when they represent us in competition. Uh, so I thought that was well said, as was an op-ed from uh, our buddy Rex Chapman in the Lexington Herald-Leader at Kentucky.com. Uh, very heartfelt, uh, and Rex talked about a lot of personal experiences, and um, uh, it's certainly worth worth your time if you have not read that. Matthew Mitchell has picked up a third transfer, and a lot of you who are fans of uh, UK women's basketball have long lamented Kentucky's inability to get that size in the low post, and they get some size in the person of 6'4", Olivia Owens, who's transferring in from Maryland. She was a five-star player coming out of high school. Uh, as a freshman at Maryland, averaged a point and a half and one rebound a game, then redshirted last season after contracting mono. Uh, she would need a waiver to play this season, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, you know, if there's any uh, more leniency from the uh, NCAA, but, you know, in this situation, I don't think her, as far as I know, her coach uh, was not departing or anything like that. So she's just, uh, as far as I can tell, moving for basketball reasons. And so uh, we'll see. If there's more to it, then maybe she can win an appeal and gain immediate eligibility. But for now, it looks like you should plan on her sitting out the upcoming season. Uh, Justin Rogers, incoming freshman uh, lineman for Kentucky, did a podcast, excuse me, an interview on a podcast. And in it, he talks about uh, reporting on June 15th. So we haven't heard any detailed plan yet from UK on uh, how they're going to bring their student-athletes back into uh, the ones that can come back football and men's and women's basketball. Um, I know uh, Freddie Maggard, I think either, I can't remember if it was on an interview here or something he wrote for KSR, but uh, he had a suggestion that they might bring newcomers to the program in earlier because those would be the guys that would need uh, extra time to 
adapt to the system and kind of learn their way around, etc. So maybe that is, is going to be the approach. I think it was Freddie who also suggested that the guys who have some other health conditions and might be a guy like Josh Pascal who uh, had his bat, bout with cancer, um, that those players might be the last group to come in. So we'll see. We uh, That's just uh, one piece of news that uh, that came out from Justin Rogers in an interview. Uh, so we have nothing official from UK. A judge has ruled that uh, Zion Williamson does have to answer those questions from a lawyer for a former agent about uh, alleged improper benefits uh, at uh, Duke that uh, went Zion's way. So uh, we'll see what the next move is. I'm sure there'll be a, an appeal and it'll uh, it's play its way through the legal system. So I wouldn't count on anything finishing up uh, soon unless they would come to some kind of settlement. We mentioned the passing of Wes Unseld. Uh, he was a L star before that, uh, Mr. Basketball in Kentucky and one of the, the greatest high school basketball players ever in our state. I think it was John Clay who was on with us yesterday. And this news about Wes Unseld broke near the end of the show, so we didn't talk with John about it. But he uh, wrote and tweeted about it. And I um, can't remember who it was he quoted, but that suggested that the best high school basketball player ever in Kentucky was either Wes Unseld or Cliff Hagen. Um, Unseld won... Uh, a uh, NBA title with uh, Washington and uh, Kevin Grevy was his uh, teammate there, as we mentioned earlier. And he was rookie of the year and MVP of the NBA in the same season. That's pretty strong. Uh, links to the stories that we talk about each day. You can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We are heading to a break. It's about 12 past the top of the hour. We'll come back with Larry Vaughn on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Wednesday edition of our show, we welcome in Larry Vaught on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Larry's weekly visits to our program are presented by Country Boy Brewing in Lexington. Um, Larry, I, I know uh, with everything that's that's going on in our world, you had a particularly uh, unique connection because uh, I heard you talking about this on the Sunday show in Lexington. I think it's your son-in-law that is a police officer down in Nashville, right? Uh, y- yes, he is. Actually, went had a chance to go down and see my granddaughter for her birthday yesterday, and got to see and talk to him a little bit. And it's been a, a interesting week for him and all. I've been kind of worried about him and, and all, but he's, he's he's doing okay. But uh, a, a lot of things going on across our country that touch a lot of you, a lot of us, in a, very many different ways. Very, very true, and uh, glad to hear that uh, he is uh, doing well. And um, it's you know we, we we talk a lot about how um, you know things may be different from the the coronavirus moving forward, how that could change the way some things are, are done. You know, as uh, impactful as uh, this these this last week has has been, you know, uh, you know it may may change some things just in terms of i'm thinking in terms of athletes uh maybe a little more you know socially uh active and uh, and speak out maybe more than they have done before we'll see yeah i think that's a real possibility tom and hopefully everyone will understand that all of us have our own rights our right to our own opinion you might disagree with some you might not totally agree but we all have that right and i admire those who aren't afraid to voice their opinions in a, in a peaceful way. 
Looks like uh, Justin Rogers uh, from uh, he's you know, some you follow him on Twitter. I know you you talked to him um, uh, recently did an interview with him. We talked about that last week on the show. But he is a young man that that seems uh, very engaged is maybe the the best way to put it. And um, I uh, I remember a guy you'll remember this guy David Johnson uh, yeah. back in the eighties um, was very uh, you know tuned into things beyond. The, the world of his his football life, and um, you know it's uh, that that can uh, he had a, a very much an old school coach in Jerry Claiborne, and yet they coexisted very well. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you can't ignore what's going on around you, and I think the UK coaches in general are, are very good at understanding all of that. And, and when we talk about Justin Rogers, I mean his maturity just continues to amaze me with the way he has handled things and, and approached things. And I, I think he's going to be a really, really good player at Kentucky, but I also think he's just going to be a really good person to, to be around and listen to and going to be one of those guys that will be a leader in the locker room for you in a lot of different ways. That story with uh, Justin, uh, we think we touched on it a little bit last week, is up at vaudsviews.com. Let's talk about another one that you have at your site uh, about Terrence Clark, incoming Kentucky basketball player, and uh, you went to a, a rival player to get a take on Clark. Yeah, I, I certainly did talk to Zion Harmon down at Marshall County, a Western Kentucky commit, and probably the, I'd say maybe the leading candidate for Mr. Basketball in Kentucky this next year, but he's played against Terrence several different uh, times in different settings and talked about him just being a freak of nature and how he's so long and so athletic and that he can just kind of do whatever he wants to do on, on offense. And then he, he – Zion said he didn't have John Wall speed, but he can really get up and down the court very, very fast. And, and the more you talk to different people about Terrence, just the more impressed you are. I, I, he's the one player I didn't get to see in person in these past two years, but, but I've seen a lot of film on him and have talked to many, many who have played against him. And everybody just talks about how what a terrific player he is and how he can basically just get whatever shot he needs to get, that he can get to the basket, he can shoot over you, and that if he just gets a little bit more consistency with that long-range shot, which I think you'll probably maybe see happen once he gets to Kentucky, uh, they just basically keep hearing the word unstoppable. Cal has has won with lots of different types of teams in his time here. This feels like with Clark and and Boston. The more I hear about their games and and watch them, that this team may be closer in in style to the the Monk Fox group. Yeah, I think so. I, I think they're going to be really fun to watch. I think they're going to get up and down the court a lot. They've got a lot of really athletic, versatile players. I still think Isaiah. Jackson, who is ranked what, as a top 15 player, and it's hard to say you can be undervalued when you're a top 15 guy, but I really believe he's undervalued, and he's going to really be good, and if, and if Saar doesn't get eligible, Jackson's got to be really, really good for him, but I think he can do a lot of different things on the court that people maybe don't fully appreciate yet, and one thing I really like about him when I've seen him play, his basketball IQ is just so good. He understands how to do different things on both ends of the court, including one that not all high school guys usually know or, or understand when I watch them, Tom, is that he understands if he can't block a shot, don't just jump up and foul the guy just so you can show how high you can jump. Go ahead and make him you know, have to struggle a little bit to get it off and be in position to get the rebound. And I think he's going to be a guy that when you put him with these other players that Kentucky's got, it's going to be a whole lot more valuable than, than most realize at this point. 
talking with Larry Vaught. You can read him at vaughtsviews.com. It's at vaughtsviews on Twitter as well. Um, we were talking, I think, last time about uh, Eddie Sutton's passing, and um, his best team was his first team at Kentucky, the uh, 86 group that um, – was on target it looked like to make it to the final four and then was upset by lsu in a regional final in 1986 down in atlanta and uh you have a story up where you caught up to the point guard on that team roger harden uh with uh, some interesting stories back to that game yeah yeah roger kind of amazes me the fact that it's been 34 years since that game and uh, kind of asking about what, what did he remember a lot about it. He said, yeah, he thinks about it every day that he's got the stat sheet memorized. He can tell you not only his stats, but whatever other player on his team, how they did shot from the field, rebounds, assists, and all of that. That loss has never left him, he, he said. But just the love that he has for Eddie Sutton and the admiration he has for Eddie Sutton after all this time is still pretty remarkable. I thought one thing that's kind of ironic is that Eddie was known as such a terrific defensive coach, and if you weren't willing to play defense, you didn't play. And He was a man-to-man guy, but Roger said later in life that the one thing that Eddie told him that he did regret was he didn't play a little bit more zone at times, and he said one of the instances was the 1986 loss to LSU, because he said he he told Roger that if he'd have gone zone when LSU was just killing him with the backdoor plays, they would have won that game. Then Roger said if we'd have won that game, we'd have won the national championship. And I think he's probably right. And they would have played uh, Louisville in the semifinals, which ultimately, you know, that matchup finally happened in 2012, but it would have happened at 86. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And uh, I, I think that's a game that uh, a lot of us would have really enjoyed seeing and I think uh, if I remember right Kentucky it beat Louisville during the uh, regular season and that Roger was really really confident they would have been able to win again but it, it's just amazing that 34 years later the player still remembers everything that went on about that one loss oh and yeah it's it's always the the losses it seemed that um leave the the strongest uh feelings um, for athletes, Absolutely. for coaches. Um, you wrote also a story about uh, a rising in-state football star in the, the class of 22 from Eastern Kentucky. Tell us about him. Oh, Grant Bingham from, from Johnson Central just continues to get offer after offer, and I think he's really a young man that if you get a chance to see him, I mean, big guy, about Six five, three hundred pounds. One thing that kind of intrigued me about him, Tom, is he's also a tennis player. Of course, didn't get to have a tennis season this year, but can you imagine a guy that big on the other side of the net from you? Especially when you're playing doubles, and he's right up there, and you're just right across <laughs> the net from him. I mean, I, I would be pretty intimidated. But he, he plays basketball. He's got so he's got obviously really good footwork and all. But he's a young man that I think is just going to see his stock continue to soar. I don't know what not having summer camps, what that'll do to hurt him or anything like that but you, you just keep an eye on that name grant, grant bingham he could be the next big name coming out of kentucky high school football uh it'll be one to uh to follow hopefully this fall hopefully uh yeah. Yeah, it's, uh the players and all the sports will get uh going in uh in the fall it kind of feels like we're trending that way yeah, sure hope so. It's seeming a little bit more and more, but again, it comes down to whether you're going to be able to figure out a way to have school, and are you going to pull the trigger and go ahead and have in school? And if you do, can can you do the social distancing? Can you figure out how to get kids to school in a lot of these counties that depend so much on bus transportation if you're having to 
limit how many kids you can have on a bus and you have to run more bus routes or have more buses, that seems to be a really big concern with a lot of administrators I talk to, even more so than how you're going to social distance at school, but how are you going to handle the transportation to get kids to and from school? Larry, thank you much for the time. Sorry, having a, a little coughing fit today, uh, but well, thank you for the well, time. Well, we all have that time. Hang in there, buddy. Yes, yes we do. Uh, thank you for the time, and uh, glad your son-in-law is doing well, and we'll um, and the whole family, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Tom. As Larry Vaught joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, we're coming up on twenty-six after the top of the hour. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws is next on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at TomLeachKY. Back with Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com. Chatting about UK sports on this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, you had a story up also about Cal doing a, a virtual recruiting session with Paolo Banchero. Um, seems to be certainly one of the prime targets for uh, the 2021 class for Kentucky. Any uh, feedback on how that went? Not yet specifically from, from Paolo or, or his father, but the spring and the summer, uh, especially during the travel season, is the time when we really start to get familiar with Kentucky's top targets in the upcoming recruiting class and uh, the Kentucky's recruiting efforts really start to to come into focus, but with no travel basketball this season, um, coaches have kind of been forced to, to navigate the new normal, and these Zoom calls are uh, are part of that. And uh, I, I don't think anybody questions the fact that Paulo Banchero is, is one of Kentucky's top targets and, and highest priorities in the 2021 class and uh, the number one power forward in that class, number four overall, and uh, really fits uh, a lot of what Kentucky likes to do. Very similar, I think, to uh, to PJ Washington, who you know went from a contributor as a freshman to an All American as a sophomore and, a, and an NBA lottery pick. Another priority certainly seems to be Kennedy Chandler at the point guard spot in twenty one, and I saw where he just changed high schools for the upcoming season. What do you make of that? Uh, I'm not sure it affects anything in the way of of Kentucky's recruitment of him. I, I know Memphis is among his his final five schools, and him being from Memphis, but I, I'm not sure they're a legitimate player uh, in his recruitment. I, I think when you look at Paulo Benchero and, and Kennedy Chandler, those two guys have have talked a lot about possibly teaming up at the college level. I think that would be good news for Kentucky, Duke, uh, and Tennessee, the three common schools uh, on their list. That Jaden Hardy, I believe, has been in contact with those two guys as well. Another guy that uh, Kentucky is really, really high on in the 2021 class and, and vice versa. And so uh, whether it was by design or whether it was luck, I think Kentucky – uh, has positioned themselves really well with laying that groundwork with its top targets early on in the process now to where they're kind of just doing some, you know, regular maintenance with those guys. A couple of those guys have already been on campus. And so uh, at least early on, it looks like Kentucky's in, in really, really good shape with, with several of the top prospects in that class. 
I saw one of your uh, 24-7 Sports colleagues, Evan Daniels, uh, tweeted out there's some talk underway with the Coaches Association and the NCAA about the possibility of some kind of late summer evaluation period. Uh, what are they thinking that might look like? Yeah, I, I know Evan threw the uh, the dates out there. I think it's looking like August, September, and October. And so it's good for uh, those prospects to, to get that exposure that they missed during the spring and summer. I know Nike came out and said that they wouldn't be putting on any uh, events for those three dates. But, uh, again, I think it's good that Kentucky has already put in the uh, – the groundwork and a lot of the legwork on many of its its 2021 targets. So I'm not sure how much it affects Kentucky. I think they've gotten out and, and scouted these guys uh, a lot early on in the process. But again, it's it's good for for all these uh, travel players, grassroots players, to to get out there and and get some exposure. Talk with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com on Twitter. It's at Chris Fisher. 24-7. Uh, I saw where uh, Evan also predicted uh, Frank Anselm uh, will end up at Syracuse, so we'll see if that proves correct. But that was an interesting case study, a guy that kind of emerged out of nowhere, seemingly on the scene with Kentucky, and then the initial take was that, uh, oh, he's just looking to uh, you know come in and, and learn, and he sees himself as a long-term you know prospect and uh, wants to to grow his game, and pretty quickly, with all the attention, he moved more toward the one-and-done end of the spectrum, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it was telling that, uh, you know, Kentucky was involved with him, and then once they received the commitment from Olivier Saar, who provided that he's eligible, will be a day-one starter at Kentucky, Frank Anselm kind of, uh, you know, dropped Kentucky from his list as though he would be the one, you know, coming in and making an immediate impact when uh, I think he was a guy that was probably more a year away from being a year away. He was definitely uh, more of a long-term project that I think had a lot of upside, but there would have been, you know, it would have been an intensive process to, to mine out that that potential, and so um, I think he's a guy that Kentucky, all things being equal, would have liked to have had under the the right circumstances. But he's definitely not a guy that Kentucky will will miss specifically next season. Chris Fisher always joins us on Wednesdays here on the show. Thank you much. All right, thanks, Tom. Chris Fisher coming to us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. Kevin Grevy next up. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Wildcat Hall of Famer, NBA champion Kevin Grevy. That NBA championship came in 1978 with the Washington Bullets. And one of your teammates was uh, Wes Unseld, who passed yesterday. Uh, well, Kevin, we'll just start by letting you uh, give us your thoughts on your teammate. Well, <laughs> you know, you can't think of Wes Unseld without thinking about uh, what an amazing player he was. He was our team captain, our leader, our alpha dog, uh, in every sense of the way. And when you speak of Wes Unseld, outside of his Hall of Fame career, you have to talk about what an amazing person he was. 
Uh, he disembodied uh, every day his leadership, his character. Uh, he modeled for us young players every day in practice or off the court. He's a great family man, a terrific businessman. Um, and he was just motivated uh, by good things, you know. Uh, everything he did in his life was uh, uh, of most high esteem. I have just the, the most respect for Wes Unseldom. And I played with a lot of great guys um, uh, uh, with that bullet organization. But he was a cut above them all. He was really a wonderful human being, and he's really going to be missed. Famous for uh, his outlet passes uh, to start the fast break, but also would set a mean pick, right? Oh. Well, he made us all better, that's for sure. Uh, he did all the dirty work. Uh, he was uh, not motivated, motiv- uh, motivated by points and that kind of stuff. He was just, he wanted to win. And it was easy to win when you have a player like Wes, your best player, the hardest worker, doing all those things to make everybody better. Uh, his picks were one thing. Those outlets you mentioned were special. But what people don't know is that he was uh, also our best passer. He, uh, he led our team in assists, rebounds. Um, he'd score about 12 points a game. Gets you about 15, 16 rebounds. His stat line, he, a lot of times he would get double doubles with rebounds and assists. Points were just follow ups. You know, when he had to score, he could, but his thing was uh, to provide that anchor on the defensive floor and um, playing with Elvin Hayes, who was scoring a lot of points, or Phil Chenier scoring points, or me shooting the ball. We all had our roles, but it all evolved around West Sunseld in the middle. And that's when the game was played where the most important position was that guy in the paint. And uh, nobody had an off night when they had to play West Sunseld uh, and try to score against him. And you're talking about guys like Kareem at Dulcibar and Wilt Chamberlain and the Bill Russells and Waltons and Bob Lanier's. Uh, Wes would control that, and uh, he made it easier for us. He was an unbelievable teammate. And he was really about 6'7", right, playing against Jabbar and Wilt and all those guys? Well, you gave him an inch, Tom. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, uh, but, you know, wide as an SUV, uh, as mean as a grizzly on the court, uh, nobody would challenge him. Uh, you wouldn't dare, you know, poke that big bear in the belly, you know. He wanted to <laughs> play nice-nice with Wes. <laughs> and uh, not only did he, uh, you know, control that guy he was guarding, but if anybody else was having difficulty on the floor with somebody, he would also uh, take umbrage into uh Controlling that too. I'll give you one example. I would we played the Detroit Pistons. There was a guy named John Long. Uh, I've since made up with John Long over the years, but every time we played the Pistons, I knew John Long and I were going to get after it. And you know, he was playing me physical and talking trash. And Wes heard it. He said, uh, "Greedy, 
what is it with you and John Long? I said, well, I don't like him and he doesn't like me. He said, I'll tell you what, why don't you uh, run the two down and let me set a, a good pick on him and try to loosen him up off of you. And I did. I inbound the ball, the guard forward pass, and I ran real hard by Wes going towards the basket, and then he stepped out and hit John Long with a pick. And I could literally hear the air come out of John Long's tongue <laughs> and just dropped him. And so there was a dead ball, and John Long picked himself up, and we go to the free throw line, and he's uh, hey, Grevy. So you got Wes doing your dirty work for you, huh? I said, I sure do, John. Wes is my man. <laughs> we didn't have much problem after that. Oh, that's so, good. He did that a number of times. That's just the kind of teammate he was. <laughs> that's a great story. Uh, with the um, Last Dance uh, documentary recently wrapping up, uh, uh, I don't know if you caught it or not, but just was going to ask not, – not uh, anything specific about that, but that what comes out of that is what a, a competitor Jordan was. Uh, wondering, and, and you know, maybe Wes is the guy. Uh, who was the toughest competitor you ever played with? NBA, college, whatever. Wow. Well, college was Jimmy Dan Connor. Uh, he was uh, tough as they get in practice, in games. He was our enforcer. Uh, in college, uh, nobody wanted to tangle with Jimmy Dan Connor, that's for sure. He, he'd win a fist fight against anybody. Um, in the pros, uh, I've played with some tough guys now. Um, Wes didn't have to show his muscle and toughness, as I said, because he had so much respect, nobody would tangle with Wes. Um, but I would go against guys, and that's when the game was physical, as you know. You saw it in the last dance going back 20, 25 years, the bad bad boys of Detroit. and Everybody had to uh, match physicality with physicality. And um, incidents like I share with John Long happened every night. And so Wes, being the great teammate and the enforcer on our team, um, he could um, he could take matters in his own hands within reason, you know, legally. But um, nobody was going to get into a fist fight or a real problem as long as Wes was on the floor and on the team. So we we had that in the back of our minds. We know we could be physicality without paying a huge price because we had West who could do our dirty work. The uh, NBA's Board of Governors, I see, is uh, reportedly going to vote on Thursday on a, on a plan to restart the season. It would have it end in uh, somewhere around early to mid-October. Are you optimistic that uh, it's going to be worked out? We'll see NBA basketball before too long? It seems to be heading that way, Tom. I sure hope so. I know every body is uh, waiting to hear on the vote by that Board of Governors with several scenarios, but the one that seems most likely is uh, just go right into Orlando with 16 playoff teams and start a playoff format, which would take about five or six weeks to play without fans. The league will get the TV revenue. 
the players who have been withholding 25% of their salaries will get full pay. Everybody will be happy, uh, providing we don't have any setbacks. Uh, it's, it's a roll of the dice, but you got to give it a chance. And I'm more worried not about how we're going to finish this season or the playoffs and moving the draft back and training camps. I'm worried about next year. Are we ever going to be able to have fans back in this? Because this game needs to have fans. Um, This is a temporary fix, but let's hope we can get back by December, January, um, playing with some sort of uh, similarity to what we've had in the past. If this plays out like they're they're talking, then obviously the season won't start when it normally would, and so the calendar will be pushed back for next season. And I know there's some been some talk that that might be a way to go uh, permanently, is to move the calendar back and and finish up later in the in the summer. Uh, do you think that would be a good way to go? I do. I you know there's been talk for several years about shifting the start of the season to December not competing against the NFL uh, and finishing it at uh, end of July. And um, now we got the pandemic to say, hey, this is why we're doing it. It's a good reason to try. The further you push the season back, the more likelihood there could be some sort of vaccine or something that could give people confidence that they can go to an arena and the players' confidence that they can play the game without having to worry about this virus. But um, I think it's it's worth the, the chance of doing that, and uh, let's see how it goes. Kevin, I appreciate the time, the great stories on uh, your teammate, and uh, stay uh, safe. We'll uh, talk to you later on down the road. You bet. Thank you, Tom. Bye-bye. Kevin Grevy uh, joining us here on the Leach Report. Heading to a break. We'll come back with our final segment after this timeout. segment of our Leach Report show for this beautiful Wednesday. A couple of horse racing notes. Uh, Larry Colmas is going to be calling the races at Kentucky Downs come September. So that will be uh, great to hear. Uh, Larry, of course, is the voice of the Triple Crown on NBC Sports and for many years was the voice of the New York Racing Association and they didn't come to terms on a new contract. So uh, he was a free agent and Kentucky Downs scooped him up for their meet. Great hire. Um, So we'll hear his voice come September. The racing at Belmont Park is resuming today and there is a horse in, I think it's the third race uh, for two-year-olds named Fauci. So you knew there were going to some, be some of those uh, coronavirus-related names that were going to show up uh, in the horse world. So there's the first one, Fauci, and first-time starter in two-year-old race today. And uh, Tracy Farmer here in Kentucky, who won the Belmont last year with Sir Winston, uh, he named a horse for Jared Lorenzen, and Lorenzen runs today up at Belmont Park. Arrogate, uh, the richest racehorse of all time currently, um, through only 11 starts, basically, uh, has passed away. Uh, Judmont Farm, the, the, who owned Arrogate, uh, put out the sad news yesterday. Only seven years old. So I uh, was sorry to hear that news. Coming up tomorrow, Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and more. Tom Hammond's going to join us on Friday's show. Look forward to that. Look forward to you having a great rest of your day. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Leach Report Radio Network.
Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The Leach Report.